You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Okay, come with me this evening to Mark chapter 10 and we'll take from a very uh, familiar verse or passage of the scripture. I believe, I think I may have preached from this passage you know, very, very, very frequently. It's one of the ones that I love. I'm always drawn to. Verse 17, and I'll read, we'll read to 27 together. Mark 10, 17 to 27. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Father, we thank you because tonight we are with you. We are desiring you. We are seeking you. We have come to learn at your feet. We have come to look into your word. We have come to fellowship together, O Lord. And because of that, we are asking, according to your word, let things that are to be done for us, by us, be possible in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, because we are acknowledging and we are running to you, We say, let this word become effective in us and through us, that we may profit thereby and that we may become witnesses thereto in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay, we have so many lessons in this account, and um, I will start from the last one. Jesus answered and said to the disciples, with men this is impossible. Jesus shocked the disciples when he said to them, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. This is not a favorite passage that those who 
have, unquote, a lot of worldly wealth like to look at. Because it is one passage that shakes and brings fear, you know, and shakes them to their foundation. And it ought not to be so. Because the conclusion of this conversation is comforting to anyone who wants to be comforted. He said, with men, it is what? Impossible. But with God, this is what? Possible. So even though it is as hard, you know, for the rich, those who trust in their riches, not even for the rich, to enter into the kingdom of heaven as it is for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle. He said, God makes it possible. And the beauty of that truth is that even the thing that you think is easy for you, without God you can't even do it. The Bible says, it is vain for you to rise up early. It's vain for you to sit up late. For God does what? Gives his beloved sleep. He says, who can keep a city safe? Unless the Lord watches over a city. What happens? He says, the watchman watches in vain. Unless the Lord builds the builder also does what? Labors in vain. So the truth of the matter is that there is nothing really that we can do without God. But this one is emphasized because as you can see from that text then, the disciples were astonished in verse 26 when they said amongst themselves, who then can be saved? Why were they astonished? Because he that told, they knew something. They knew that if you were struggling in life, the temptation to disobey God to survive was more likely. So they had seen it that if they had more wealth, why would you want to steal if you had enough money? Why would you want to covet when you could buy your own? Why would you want to tell a lie when you can afford everything that you wanted? Praise the Lord. So these disciples had had a view that if only they were rich, this journey would be a lot easier for them. But now when Jesus said how difficult it is for those who have riches or trust in riches to enter, then they now began to wonder, and that's why their question was what? Who then can be saved? And at this point, we must remind ourselves that the Bible makes it clear for us. Habakkuk 2 verse 4, it says, part B of it, it says, now the just shall live by faith. And we also see in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says without faith is what? It is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that God is. Now, it's, it's clear from the teaching of scriptures that God never intended that man would live by any other means. In fact, our Lord Jesus Christ, answering the devil during his temptation, made a statement that is very apt. He said, man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that does what? Proceeds from the mouth of God. And now, what is faith? We are told by the scriptures that what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So, faith is the picture, the life. That is designed and measured and controlled by the word of God. So our Lord Jesus Christ says man does not live by any other thing but by the word of God. Which is in essence saying man shall live by what? By faith. And even if that is not clear to us also. We go back to the book of beginnings. In Genesis when God created the fish. Where was the fish put in? The fish was in water. Why? Because it was out of the water that the fish was brought forth. He said to the water, let them bring forth living things. And they began to swim. And out of the earth, he spoke forth the animals. 
Now, everything God created things from, by necessity, had to live and be sustained by what they were created from. Now, when God was going to make man, he said, well, let us make man in our image and what? In our likeness. So, when God was making man, he did not make man out of sea. He did not make man. Yes, the body was made out of the dust of the ground. But the essence of man was taken out of God. He breathed into his nostrils, what? The breath of life. And then man became, what? A living soul. By that very fact, it meant that the most essential, the most necessary thing for man to survive was what? Was not the fruit of the trees, was not the animals, was not the birds, but the very thing that God took man from, which was what? Which was what? God. Praise the Lord. So we see that the scriptures, like I keep saying every time I have the opportunity, the word of God is one. That's the simple truth. As you study the word and you meditate on the word and you allow the spirit of God to open your understanding, you see that the word of God is one. From any angle you come at it, God is saying one thing. When this man left, which we are going to come back to, and Jesus said how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter. He was saying how riches are able or is able to deceive men into thinking that their need for God has reduced. Praise the Lord. That is in essence what he was saying. He wasn't saying that rich is about because God makes men rich. Praise the Lord. The Bible only said that the blessings of the Lord, they make what? They make rich and they add no sorrow. So there are some people that we know, that you and I know, who have been made rich by God. Praise the Lord. And they are doing it right. Why? Because the Bible calls it the blessings of the Lord, which adds what? No sorrow. But unfortunately, the Bible also says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Many imagine, just like this man, that this problem or their problems are going to be solved if they have more of this world's items. Which COVID-19 has taught us that it doesn't solve it. Because there are many things that people have that they can't reach. I mean, I feel for the average Nigerian uh, stealing politician. Because right now, he's stuck with you and I, with Guagualada Hospital, with uh, Wuse Hospital, with uh, um, uh, Maitama Hospital, and, you know, with all together, I, I don't know how many ventilators we have now. He's stuck in this environment. Whereas he has mansions in Dubai, he has mansions in the UK, he has all kinds of properties in Europe and the United States. But you see, none of those things can he access. And I mentioned here a few weeks back about the man that was dying in Spain, who was a multi-millionaire. And he was gasping for oxygen. And the daughter wrote, you know, on her social media, that at the time that they realized that all the money in this world could not get their father the next breath of oxygen. So it is a delusion when man begins to imagine that riches can supply his need. What man was created of and what man was created from and what man was created for is God. Anytime man misses it, he's lost. Praise the name of the Lord. So that was the situation Jesus was addressing. How hard it is for those who trust. It was not the riches that was a problem. Praise the Lord. I'm actually going beyond myself. And because I'm doing that, let me address this as well. In verse 21 of our text, when Jesus said to him, 
Jesus looking at him, loved him. I'm going to come to that. And said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. Now, if you look at this thing now, there is something Jesus had a problem with, which we are beginning to address now. Jesus had a problem with anything. The Bible first said Jesus loved this man. Now, if you love something, anybody has loved something before or somebody before, what do you wish when you love something? When you love something or somebody, you want it what? For yourself. For yourself. That's the number one rule. If you love somebody, what do you do? You want the person for yourself. So when Jesus looked at this you know, young ruler, the Bible calls him in Luke 18, rich young ruler, Jesus wanted him just the same way he wanted Peter, the same way he wanted James and John and the rest of them. Jesus wanted him to be his disciple. So Jesus said, let's do this. Praise the Lord. But now, unfortunately, as we see in the story, this man did not reciprocate Jesus' love. He didn't feel the same way. All he wanted was, can I use, you know, what I have to get what I need and move on? Unfortunately, it couldn't work here. As we step aside from the man, I want you to, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 13, 22. Let me show you something so that nobody reads this passage and glosses over it because there's a lesson in every word of God. That's why the Bible says the word of the Lord is sharper. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Every time the word of God speaks, it speaks to high and low. It speaks to everybody. Now, in Matthew 13, 22, the Bible telling us, our Lord Jesus breaking down the parable of the seed and the sower. He taught us something there. He says, now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes what? Unfruitful. Praise the Lord. What we see happening here is this. Jesus said, this one who received the seed among thorns is the one who receives the seed and the cares of this world. The cares of this world. The cares of this world addresses a different thing from what the deceitfulness of riches addresses. But do you know what? Their impact on your salvation and your work and your productivity is the same. Both of them have the ability to distract. Both of them have the ability to occupy the place of God. Both, both of them have the ability to become an idol on its own. In the case of this rich young ruler, his problem was what he had. Now, unfortunately, most other persons have a similar problem, but on the concave side, if we are on the uh, convex side, on the other side of it, which is a problem of what they don't have. Unfortunately, that addresses the problem of many believers. If you spoke to many believers now, the major hindrance to their work, to their enjoyment, to their worship of God is the cares of this world. That word care can mean the, 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 the burdens of this world. So the troubles, the trials, the loneliness, the pains, the lack of money, the lack of friends, the lack of whatever. Now, all of that can become a problem on its own. And whether it is abundance of things or lack of things, the issue is this. God wants you for himself. And anything that comes in between is a hindrance. Is somebody hearing me today? Praise the name of the Lord. So when Jesus said to this man, one thing you lack, 
For somebody hearing me this evening, one thing you lack may be be anxious for nothing. Praise the name of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaching us in Matthew 6 from 22 down, all of that. You begin to see where he says, then do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will wear, what you will drink. He said, is life not more than clothing? It's the same thing. This man's worry was which out of hundred he will wear. The other person was wondering which out of nothing will I wear. It was the same problem. And all they were doing was that they were hindering the master maker, the mastermind of their lives from perfecting what he wanted to do in their lives. I pray that there will be liberty and freedom and deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So you look at this passage and you see what Jesus was addressing. This man had all things almost working for him. But he just missed it in one area. And that area was the first commandment which says, Thou shalt have no other gods. What? Before me, the Lord and the Lord thy God is one. He says, Thou shalt have, he says, I should be first. In fact, when we are told the two greatest commandments, the first one is what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, and with all thy might. Now, Jesus was addressing this man. Let's take first things first. I'm not contending whether you have stolen, whether you are an adulterer, a fornicator. I take you for your word. Everything you've said is okay. Now, can we do the first thing right? Can we just be together? Can it just be you and I? And this is the challenge for everybody called a Christian. God wants you for himself. God is omnipotent. We've learned that here. And God does not need anything extra. He just wants you. And anything that pertains, the Bible says he has given to you and I. All that what pertains to life and godliness. But the mistake we make oftentimes as children of God is that we think God is a supermarket. You see, when you go to a supermarket, you can buy items and depart from the supermarket and go home with them and enjoy them. But the difference is that with God, you see, when God gives you a gift or when God wants to give you a gift, he doesn't give you a gift apart from himself. He gives you himself and in him is the gift. So if you are to see God as a supermarket, if that will help you, I want you to see that God wants you to carry the supermarket with you anywhere you go. So that everywhere you are, he is. And because he is, he becomes your sufficiency. Praise the Lord. That's why when the Bible speaks to us, he keeps telling us we are blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He said he's our righteousness. Christ Jesus Christ became for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification. All of that. Why? Because God cannot give nothing. The best of God is himself. That's why when Joseph was in prison in Egypt... And it looked as though everything was working against him. The Bible made sure it put on record for us that God was with him. So God being with him, he may have been in prison, but he had everything. It's the same thing the Apostle Paul was trying to tell us when he says, I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. At the point he was writing that some people had forsaken him. He may have been in prison. But he knew that at every point in time. Christ was still with him. What are we trying to say? When Jesus made a request on this young man. He was trying to say. Can we be together? Can we get closer? And tonight God sent me to say to you. Can you draw closer to me? And the beauty of it is that the Bible says. Draw near to God and what will happen? He will also draw near to you. So it's an invitation that you can't miss out on. Praise the Lord, somebody. 
so we have that but i started from the last and i'm going to the beginning now if you go to the beginning of this passage that we read verse 17 the man came to jesus and said to him good teacher what shall i do that i may inherit eternal life now notice jesus being who he is and the way he responds address something so that there won't be any misconception for those of us that will read it he said to this man why do you call me good we've learned here that jesus was not saying he was not good jesus was asking this man do you really know what you're saying because the rabbis understood and they never accepted that anyone was good but god so jesus was saying to this man do you know who you are addressing do you know to whom you have come or are you just trying to flatter me so that you can get a response from me and jesus said to him no one is good but what but one that is who god jesus was trying to say to this man preach the gospel to this man that this jesus you've come to now is god praise the lord and you will see how important that correction would have been if this man got it he says this one you're talking to now is god i'm not just a good teacher i'm not just a good man i'm not just a healer like we learned a couple of weeks back i'm not just a provider i don't just raise the dead i began everything i sustain all things i uphold all things i control all things in fact all things are working together to fulfill my originally intended purpose i am god right now young man you are standing or having conversation with god how beautiful it would have been if that man knew that he was talking to God, the creator. You will see how he changes everything. Because if he knew he was talking to God, the creator, when this challenge came up and Jesus said to him, one thing you lack. Now, the Igbos have a saying that a man cannot be in water and soap will enter his eyes. You see, if I lacked anything in my car, assuming I drove a Mercedes-Benz car, if I lacked anything in my car and I were in the compound of Daimler-Benz, do I lack anything? In fact, the things I lack would be better for me. Why? Because I'm going to get a replacement better than what I could have come with. If this man knew that he was standing before God, then his lack would have been his testimony. No wonder the Apostle Paul says, Now I glory in my infirmities. Knowing that what his power or his strength what is made manifest in my weaknesses. But when men don't see God, their weaknesses frighten them and they run away. That is what the devil wants you and I to do. He wants us to run away. And that running away is the very end he intends. You know why? The Lord said I should ask this question. If a fish is sick, where will the fish go? Will it leave water and climb a tree? It will still be in water. If a fish is hungry, will he leave water and go in? Where will he still remain? It will be in water. The same way, he said, man was created of God and from God and for God. Anything that takes you away from God is destroying you. You see, it has become fashionable for people to threaten, I'm discouraged, I'm distressed, I'm depressed and all of that. I may not be able to address them, but I want to beg you, whatever is dissing you, don't let it distance you from God. Because in God is your safety. In God is your protection. The name of the Lord is your strong tower. The Lord remains your shepherd. And as long as you allow him to lead you, sometimes you might pass through the shadows of what? 
death, but be sure that he will lead you through it and bring you to green pastures and he will quiet you as you lie down in his presence. That is what you will never forget. And that is the only thing the devil tries to do. We've learned here that in all the attack that Satan had on Job, it was not the sickness that was his aim. It was not the killing of his children that was his aim. It was not his money, destroying his money that was his aim. None of that were his aim. You know why? He knew that as long as Job remained attached to God, the Bible says, Now acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. You see, he knew that as long as Job was acquainted with God, he could do nothing against Job. So all his attacks were to achieve one thing. Job Curse God and what? Die. He said, Job, distance yourself from God. That was what he wanted. But thank God the Bible said, Job refused. He said, rather I will worship. Worship is the only intelligent response to when you don't understand what is going on. And this season, I pray, beyond the sound that we are able to have together as a corporate in our entity. I pray you worship. Now, you may not sing like Mommy Chi or the voice of one choir, but let me tell you, from your heart, you can raise songs of adoration and your father will receive it. When you don't know what is going on, sister, brother, you're confused. All things that are falling, collapsing on top of you. Then fall down your, on your knees, on your face or whatever it is and just say to him, you are the Lord. That is your name. You will never, you know, just sing a song to him. Just extol him. Just say words to him. Magnify him. You know why? Because when you worship God in any situation, you are doing one thing right. You are doing what is true. Even though you may not know that you are doing what is true. Praise the Lord somebody. So he said, this person you are speaking to is God. And Jesus said to him, okay, you know the commandments. And the man went on, do not commit in adultery and all of that. He said, I have kept all these things from my youth. Now, Jesus did not tell him you haven't. So we cannot say he didn't. But if you look at the things this man has done, for those of us that are looking at this passage today, it should challenge us. One of the things that helped me as a young Christian was that as I read the book of Job, and I saw the things Job said that God did not contest. Job said that he would not even look at a beautiful woman. You know, he said things that should challenge you. So for those who are trying to make us imagine that the standards of God have changed. No, the standards haven't changed. You know why? God is the same yesterday, today and forever. The only difference that has happened, let me make that clear please, so that somebody doesn't get confused. The only difference is that the Bible tells us in John 1 that in Jesus Christ, grace and truth came. So whereas some people had to try to do this without help, you and I under this dispensation, we have the grace of God walking through us. And the Bible says he walks in us both to will and to do. So you read the scripture, you will to do it, then he will enable you to do it. But if you read and you don't will to do it, I wanted to write this down, but thank God I didn't write it, but the Holy Spirit reminds me. It said the grace of God can be likened to a heavy capacity engine. If you like cars, maybe that's about a um, liter you know, engine, maybe the, the engine of a G-Wagon. It says that's the power, you know, the grace of God is power, is engine power. But he said to me, he said, but my people don't understand that the grace of God will never control the steering. 
It is for you and I to turn that steering in the direction we want. So many people, that's why the Apostle Paul could say concerning him and the rest of the uh, apostles. He says the grace of God was abundant towards us. But what? He says, I what? Labored more. What was he say? He says, I turned the steering in the direction so that the grace could move me. If as a Christian you have no desire to propel, the grace will not compel you to propel. Praise the Lord. Very important. So the grace is available for us under this dispensation. In fact, do you know that after someone like the Apostle Paul was converted, did you read anything about him that was not right? Did you read anything that was not Christ-like? That is grace. He said this grace was abundant towards me. He may not have been perfect, but he used the grace to the full. Grace can make you look just like Christ. We also have cases of men in the Old Testament who, even without this dispensation, stood out. And these are the men I want to beg you as a Christian. Please, don't mind those that keep telling you, you know, this person was a murderer, this person was this, this person was that. Yes, those things are recorded. And if they were to record my own, you wouldn't even listen to this broadcast again. But the truth is now, the Bible says, he that is in Christ is what? A new creation. What has happened? All things have passed away. All things are big. Why are you telling me a new person that I should glory in my old? The old is past. I'm a victor. Praise the Lord. What I should keep presenting now is that before I was that, but when Christ came into me, this is what I am. Why? We must never forget that as Christians, we are partners with God. And that is what we are talking about when we say this man. If he had known what he was getting involved, he was getting to talk to God. You and I have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to us, do not go anywhere. Tarry until what happened? Until you are endured with power from on high. That is the spirit of the living God. Child of God, can I tell you something? The spirit you have in you is the spirit whose power created the heavens and the earth. It's the spirit whose power flung out the stars and the galaxies and all of that. Everything you see, it is the Holy Spirit that did it. And the same Holy Spirit is available in you now. The Bible says, no, you know that your bodies are what? Temples of the Holy Ghost. So I carry the Holy Ghost. It is now up to me to decide that what I'll use the Holy Ghost to do is to make excuses. But I want to challenge you. Use the Holy Ghost to make things that will cause the name of the Lord to be what? Glorified. For this is what he wants to do. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise the Lord. So he said, no one is good but God. And no, these are the commandments. And he answered, teacher, I've kept all this from my youth. Now, the same verse 21, we'll look at it again. The Bible said, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, let me address something else that will help a lot of us. One of the fearful scriptures in the Bible, I believe, is Amos 8. I don't have it out here. Amos 8, 11, I believe also. It says, the time shall come when there will not be a famine of food or of drink, but a famine of what? Hearing the words of the Lord. You see, we are in a generation where I don't know whether to say there is a famine of the word of the Lord or a famine of hearing. The Bible is always accurate. I think it's a case of a famine of hearing the truth. I, I don't know many of us may have seen, if you're on social media, the man that died recently, Ravi Zacharias. You know, the Canadian, American, Indian, you know. And I was able to read about this man just a few days ago. I was discussing with my wife. She also read about 
And I was shocked that a man that has such testimony, I'd never heard about him. I just heard about him this week. And I, I went and listened to a few of his messages. Now, is it a wonder that this man does not trend in the Christian environment? The man is, from everything I've seen, this man spoke all truth. He was impactful. He transformed lives. But you see, he's not a media mogul. What he had is truth. And I bet you, watch and see what is going to happen. Now that he's dead, he'll become more popular. Because truth, the longer it stays, the more it spreads. Praise the Lord. But a lot of people that are making waves, unquote, in our circle now, you will watch, the Bible says, you will look for them and you can't find them. Because it's all puff. What am I trying to say? The love for the truth has gone down simply because the people don't want to hear truth. People want pacification. People want something to make them feel better. People want something to just, you know, if you can use the word, encourage them. But the word encourage means to help or to inspire to move in a direction. Which direction do you want to go? Which direction are you looking for the encouragement? I beg you, if I'm driving, going to Lagos, and I'm on the wrong road, okay, I'm missing my way, and it's a beautiful, you know, stretch of road, I beg you, if you see me on that road, what should you do to me? Stop me. Tell me you are foolish. You are wasting. You're going in the wrong direction. Will you make a U-turn and go back? It's better you tell me that. And I'm angry with you, and I'm not very comfortable with you, and I make a U-turn and I lose another two hours and get back to the right road. That at the end of the day, I arrive at what? My destination. Then that I'm on the wrong road and you see me and say it's a beautiful road. Your car will like this road. It's a dual carriageway. There are no problems on this road. Because what you do for me is that you make me feel better, but you make me get lost. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. You see, the world doesn't want people that will tell them the truth. You see, the truth will point you in the right direction. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end what? Leads to destruction. That is the way of lying. You feel okay, but you are not okay. But Jesus, the Bible says, looked at this man and did what? And loved him. And because he loved him, what is love? Love is seeking someone's eternal best interest. In fact, seeking someone's best interest for now and for eternity. It's not how I make you feel. It is your interest that I'm pursuing. When a mother takes a little child to the nurse and the nurse is giving the immunization or the injection, does the mother love that child or not? The mother loves the child. Does the nurse love the child or not? They love this child and that injection, the child will cry. The child will kick. But after six hours or so, the child will sleep and be healed. That is their intention. They are looking at that. But you could look at love that. Don't give that child the injection. He or she will cry. What you do is that you create room for decay. When you don't speak truth to somebody, you create room for decay. And the future is worse than the present. God forbid that any of us will be part of it in Jesus' name. So we have a generation that doesn't want to be told the truth and um, consequently doesn't want also want to speak the truth. So you tell people the truth, they're offended. You tell people this is the truth, they're offended. Why? Because, I mean, why should you tell me that? But they know it's true. Now, if someone will open with me, please, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at what the word of God is and we come back here. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says the word of God. 
is living, is powerful, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It says, piercing even to the division of what? Soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is living. I wish you had your Bibles open and I pray you do wherever you are. I want you to look at the word of God and see whether that looks like something you can play with. He said it is living. Praise the Lord. King James will say it is quick. Then he says it is what? Powerful. And he says it's what? Sharper than it were. It means that the word of God will touch you. Praise the Lord. The word of God may sometimes bring some bleeding. The word of God sometimes will pierce it into the division of soul and spirit. It says he's a discerner of the intent. That word discerner means he's a critic. It will probe you and it will challenge you and it will harass you. I remember, I think many of us have the same experience. I remember a few lecturers I had in the university and even to secondary school that I never liked. Now as a graduate, who do I like more? I like those ones who did what? Who harassed me? Who drilled me? Why? Because they brought out the best in me. The word of God, when it works in you, is not there to just, you know, slap here and there. No. Jesus looked at this man and loved him. Jesus is the definition of love. And he didn't say to this man, you have a good thing going for you. Let's go. No. He said to the man, let's solve one thing. And he said to the man, go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have what? That is the truth. It didn't say, go sell all that you have because you're a greedy man. No. It says, sell all that you have what? Give to the poor. Why? So that you will have what? Treasures in heaven. Who doesn't want to have treasures in heaven? I want to have treasures in heaven. Do you? Praise the Lord. So we all want to have, and that's what Jesus presented to this man. He presented to him an investment advice that men will be paying anything for if they could hear and he said, you have treasures in heaven. And then he said to him, what will you do? He said, come now, take up your cross and do what? And follow me. And the man looked at that, I'm amazed at the wickedness of the devil. If this man knew Jesus a bit, at this point in time, we're looking at Mark 10. At this point in time, Jesus had fed the multitude. At this point in time, he had worked some miracles. So if this man knew a bit about Jesus, he could put trust in him that even if I sold all things, with this man, I can lack. Even if I gave out all that I had. With this man, I cannot be put to shame. Even if I did all of that. With this man, I can't go wrong. But you see, we must never forget that in this journey of our Christian faith, there is an enemy. There is an opposition. There is opposition. Okay? There is an accuser. There is an adversary. Okay? There is an enemy. And the job of the enemy, we all play sports, we all watch sports. The job of the enemy is to spoil. Praise God. It's to spoil. The enemy is the spoiler. He looks at you and you're going to score that goal. He looked at this man's name now. We don't know his name now. But probably he would have written some epistles. Praise the Lord. And probably if we get to heaven, we would have seen his own mansion peculiarly bigger than all the rest. But unfortunately, the devil saw this man and knew the future he had in God. And immediately he attacked his future. You see, when the word of God comes to you, the enemy, like the Bible tells us in the parable of the seed and the he said the birds of the air will do it. They will come to steal it. Why? Because the word works. Every word that is obeyed brings result. Every word 
that is obeyed brings profit to the one obeying it. The word of God works. The word of God, like we established on Sunday, has been tried in the furnace like silver. And seven times it is found perfect and more perfect as you try. So the word of God works. But we have an enemy. And what this enemy does is that he brings lies. He brings strongholds. He brings imaginations. He brings all kinds of things that make us think that the word of God is impossible. For this man now, the Bible says, let's look at his statement, uh, what the Bible said of him. Mark 10, 22. He says, but he was sad at this word. My prayer for myself and for you is that I will never be sad at the truth. I will never be sad at the truth. Praise the Lord. It could cut deep inside of me. But let me just know that this one is true. I remember many years ago, many years ago we were in the U.S. and went to a church. And you know how it is, everybody wants to sit in a particular nice place. So we went and sat on a particular section of this nice auditorium. And we were feeling that we got a good spot. And one of the ushers came to us and just signaled to our friend that we came with. And he just got up and said, thank God, thank God, thank God. Nobody wants to be relocated from a comfortable seat, thanking God. But you know what happened? He said, thank God we are not deaf. Because that was a section kept for what? For the deaf. Are you seeing it now? Now, that is truth that was told us. But you see, if you're, if you're resistant to truth, when truth comes, you'll be angry. But do you want to sit down there and join the deaf? Every time truth comes, it's to make your life better. It's not to make you sad. It's the devil that makes truth become sad to you. And that devil is rebuked in the name of Jesus. The people of God must rejoice at truth. We must rejoice at truth. Now, I'm going somewhere because somebody's going to say, but this is a difficult thing. Yes, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. He was sad at this word. And the Bible said he went away what? Sorrowful. This is what we find when we follow the path the enemy advises. He was sad and he went away sorrowful. So he was nothing better. What has he achieved? Nothing. Nothing. Now, now, now. It's further down in this passage that our Lord and Savior says to us, This thing I ask this man. This is where I'm going to. This thing I ask this man today. I could have made it happen. Praise the Lord. I could have made it happen. Now, what is all the purpose of prayer? If not to take difficult things to God. What is the purpose? As Christians, we are not called and given an assignment and sent out like the bank managers. To go and, you know, meet our call target. No! No! I remember when I was in the bank, one of the things we knew was that if a client was very difficult to get, just get your MD on that call. If your MD goes with you to meet a client, you can be sure you'll get that account. Why? Because you know that when they ask you, can I get overdraft, while you're stammering, if your MD says, yes, that is done, he can override and, you know, override and override. So we knew then that if it was difficult, get the MD. Once the MD is able to go with you on that call, it's a done deal. Now, the same way for the believer, it says with God, all things are what? possible. That thing that the enemy is trying to make you think it's impossible for you to do. Why don't you get God to go on it with you? And that's why the devil made sure that this man went away. I mentioned being sad at his word and so forth. But even better, we remember the account of the cows in the Old Testament that carried the ark of the Lord. And the Bible said they had just had their young. 
And the natural instinct for these cows will be to seek their young so that they can breastfeed them, take care of them. But these cows carrying the ark of the Lord knew better that the Lord must be put first. So even though they are young, their cows were crying. These cows were going in the opposite direction. The only thing the Bible says was what? They were lowing as they were, were going. Now understand that. Many times I have obeyed God crying. Now that is what we understand. Why? Because as you go with him in that process. We learned the other time. That he that goes bearing precious seeds. With tears shall not what? Certainly come back what? Rejoicing to harvest. That is the path of the Christian. You decide that whatever it is. I will stick with God. I will stick with him. What option do I have? Peter said, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Eternal life. We can't go anywhere. I don't have an option. I don't have an alternative. You are my Lord. You are my God. I will stick with you. And that was all that was required of this young man. This young man could have said to Jesus, the very information that the Bible gives us here. The Bible says he had what? Great possessions. Now, prayer when people are taken to meet the president of a country, you know, and oftentimes they are schooled in some, in some protocols that they must observe. And part of those protocols are discussions never to be raised. So they tell you as you're going to meet the president, depending on what it is, they say this area, please don't ask him about, um, about the shites. Or don't ask him about this. Or don't ask him about, don't bring up because we can't control what will happen. But now, when you and I are invited to prayer to God, you know what he says? Pour out your hearts to him. Pour out your heart. So this man, who represents you and I in different areas, this man could have fallen on his knees before Jesus and said, Master, you have asked me a difficult thing. I have house in Asokoro. I have in my Taman. I have in this place. I have in this place. How can I sell all of it? Master, 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 I can only sleep in air conditioned house. Master, I eat salad twice a day. You know, he could have presented that picture. And you know what would have happened? As every one of us will be, I believe we already know that, confesses our weaknesses before God. You know what God exchanges it for? Grace. Grace. What that man could have gotten was grace. But you see, because the deceiver is involved, He makes us turn away. He makes us turn and don't follow the process. And when we turn, we have stepped out of faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it is what? Impossible. Notice something that happened here. Unlike what many of us would have done. If you were today, you know, the pastor would probably signal to the ushers, run and go and call him. And then we start canceling again. You see, Pastor Ikena didn't mean that. What he was trying to say was that, um, you know, if you sold one and you did this or that, that's what we would have done. But you see, the word of God says, without faith, I can't do anything. If the foundation is destroyed, he says, what can what? The righteous, he said, without faith, I can't do anything. This, this man had to have some faith. Let me help you understand what I'm trying to say in case, you know, my, my time is good. Let me help you understand what I'm trying to say. Judas betrayed Jesus, we know that. And sold him for 30 pieces of silver. But Judas went and hung himself. He was remorseful for his sin. He returned the money and confessed that he had betrayed innocent blood. Isn't that what happened? 
How else could a man take step back? But the only thing we don't see Judas doing is that Judas never saw Jesus again. He never waited again. He never even went to the disciples again. Peter himself also betrayed Jesus three times. But we find out that after Jesus had been crucified and on the morning of the resurrection, where was Peter found? Peter was yet found in the company of the disciples. He stayed in faith. He stayed in faith. And because he stayed in faith, God could meet him. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, you know how much different the story would have been. If we read that after Adam, you know, Eve ate the fruit and gave Adam, Adam ate. They started calling out, God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. But no, that's not what we find. After they ate the fruit, God himself came to look for them. And what did the Bible tell us? They ran and hid from God. They stepped out of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's why the Bible says to us, 1 Timothy 6, 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. What it means is whatever it takes, what? Stay in faith. Stay connected. Stay linked. You know, hold hands with him. The, the, the Bible makes us understand also Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified in Christ, nevertheless I live. He said, yet not I. He said, but the life I now live, I live what? I live by the faith of the Son of God. He says, I'm living a borrowed life. I don't even trust myself. So what Jesus says, I follow. The one I can't do, I just throw myself on the floor. And if you begin to understand that, then you begin to know the lifting grace of God. The beauty of Christianity is that we believe that Jesus Christ died, isn't it? And that God did what? Raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ did what? And God did what? Jesus died. And what? It means that the God of the Christian is a God that raises. No matter what happens to you, there is a God that will do what? Raise. And the Bible says, if the spirit which raised Jesus Christ from the dead was what? Dwells in your mortal body. That is what every Christian must understand. As long as we're in the path, it is the job of God and he's a good one at that to raise us up. Whether it is circumstances or situation or sickness or poverty or shame or sin. You see, we're in a time where People are ashamed of, of confessing their sins. No, it is confess, forsake, and refreshing will come. Your weakness, don't be ashamed of it. Because our people have a saying that the sickness you hide will kill you. You see, whatever it is, expose it in faith. And you know what you can be assured of? God will raise you. The Bible says, humble yourselves, what? Under the mighty hand of God, and what will happen? The Lord will do what? Exhort you. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. And this evening, my prayer for you and I is the invitation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. The same thing he said to this man. He said to this man, go and sell all of this and come. That's the word I want you to take. And come. I want to speak to everyone listening to me. God is saying to you, come. Jesus is saying to you, come. It doesn't matter. Pastor, the things you said, I'm being convicted. I'm in sin. I'm in disobedience. I'm in this. He's saying to you, come. Grace is with me. Come. I've been overwhelmed. I'm discouraged. I'm distressed and all of that. He's saying to you, come. In Matthew 11, 28, we say, he said, Jesus said to them, if you go home, read the 
passages before that statement. He was telling them about the end and all of different things. Then he now said to them, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And what will I do? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He said, come to me. Tonight with God. That is what the same thing is saying. And that's why I said the Bible is saying the same thing all over. With God, all things are what? Possible. 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 All things are possible. He said, come to me. Give me 29, please. Okay. Verse 29. It says, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does it say? It says, bind yourself to me. Bind yourself to me. Bind yourself to me. Let us journey this journey together. That difficult marriage, bind yourself to me. And what does it mean to simply bind yourself to God? It means, not my will, but yours be done. Father, we thank you. One more prayer I wanted us to pray. It's simple. I'll just say it. You can pray it on your own. God, may I never overpower you. You see, when it says, take my yoke, when they yoke animals, the stronger one pulls the weaker one. Now, in the issue of will, God cannot enforce a will for you. So, pray, Lord, may I never overpower you. Let my will always be surrendered to your will, no matter the situation. Just like in this case, Lord, I say with you, I want to join it with you. I want to go with you. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my God. For I know that as I'm yoked to you and I surrender to you, I will have testimonies, abounding testimony, because you are God, the lifter, the glory and the lifter of my head. Blessed be your name, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Love you all. See you on Sunday, 9 a.m. And remember to share to your friends and encourage everyone to watch. Thank you. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.